Welcome back to the Wayne In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode 124. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line, as always, David Mirakatani. David, just left you after an exciting weekend at the Missouri Border Brawl, and now it's NCAA <laughs> week. What more could you ask for? Sleep. That's it. That's all I want. <laughs> more I can ask for is sleep, bro. I am keeping PepsiCo and company on Mountain Dew alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I think this so time of year... This time of this time of year, I mean, you could short Pepsi stock because uh, it's going to go up <laughs> with all the Mountain Dew uh, taken, and then it's going to come back down to normal after we get through this next month or so. Just on wrestling journalists alone, um, I know how much I bought um, over the years, and yeah, I saw you down at like water this weekend, and I, I understood it was it was a lot of work, but went off without a hitch. <laughs> That's that might be a little kind, but it did happen. <laughs> there were some awesome matches. I know. I know. We'll talk about it. It was awesome having you and your wife there. Uh, it was. It was super cool, man. It was. A, it was a really good thing. We'll dig into it. I'm sure later. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's the best week of the year, right? The brackets come out, and and now we get to talk about them. I actually was talking. I'll give a shout out to my friend Joe Weir from Lafayette. He's like, you know, you get to talk about wrestling. <laughs> Every week, and people listen to you, and he's right. It's we, you and me are blessed. We talk about that this weekend as well. Definitely, this is a lot of fun, and this is probably going to be one of my favorite podcasts of the year. I love breaking down the brackets. Um, you know, I do it every year, and a lot of times, I think my wife gets tired of hearing about it. Uh, so this year, I can I have an outlet. I mean, of course, the last couple of years, I've gotten to write about it, but it's fun having someone to talk about it with. So. We'll get into that. Uh, first, a little bit of news around the wrestling world. Uh, the World Cup of Men's Freestyle Wrestling was this weekend. The U.S. ended up finishing third. Uh, dropped a pool match to Iran that was a 5-5 split in matches. Uh, and then knocked off Japan for the bronze medal. Uh, good performance all around for them. Russia just dominated, uh, as I think everyone expected, hosting the event. Uh, and just based on the teams that were sent. They lost four total matches in their four duels, just completely dominated the competition on their way to the gold medal, obviously beating Iran in the finals. Uh, overall, I think the Americans performed pretty well. Uh, you know, guys like Nico Megalutis and Isaiah Martinez acquitted themselves nicely. Zane Rutherford wrestled well. Uh, and, you know, it was not our number ones, but I think it showed getting a bronze with the team we sent. I know other teams didn't all send their starters either, but it kind of proves that our depth is continuing to progress. Uh, what was your takeaway from the World Cup? I just saw results, man, with everything going on. I think the main thing that I took away from it is whenever you have twos and threes, those guys eventually become the ones. And when they get to wrestle at the highest level, you know, that that's good for the country as a whole, like you said, in terms of depth. You know, there were some interesting individual results but overall you know i think you know obviously russia sent their a team and you know nothing against the guys that went they're both better than you and i were but you know it, it's interesting you and i spoke about this a couple of weeks ago that you know the timing of these guys having to make weight that often wasn't ideal for some of the americans that cut a lot of weight and so they they prioritized the ranking meet which really makes sense yeah and it sounds like we're going to send another strong contingent to pan ams which is our next you know, obviously the Continental Championships are a big deal for ranking purposes. So it sounds like USA Wrestling's prioritizing getting our guys that look like they're going to be the number one's ranking points. And I, I don't, you know, I don't second guess that decision at all. It's tough trying to squeeze it all in. So um, 
you like you said, got some good experience this weekend, and a bronze medal is nothing to sneeze at. That's that's good wrestling. So good job by those guys. A uh, couple of D1 notes here. Uh, first, Ryan Milhoff of Arizona State announced today that he is going to miss the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, he broke a hand in practice, posted the uh, x-ray. So uh, just really unfortunate for him. He's had kind of a snake bitten career a little bit and, you know, missed a lot of time this year with an injury and then to pick up a different injury right before the NCAA tournament. Uh, that's rough. So he will be out. Uh, it's nice that they did it early enough that everybody's going to, we're going to get Trey Shalafu of army into the field as the 33rd seed. And everyone that was below the 14 seed before moves up. Uh, looks like the biggest impact here is Sean Foz will move from the 15 seed to the 14, which assuming everyone wins their first round match that is favored to, that means he wrestles Spencer Lee on Thursday night instead of Nick Piccinini, which I think that's a significant shift, don't you? It's huge. And probably before we get any further, we should probably talk about at least a couple of our sponsors, right? Because we're talking about the rankings and they're brought to us by Resolite. Oh, absolutely. We just wrestled on their mat this weekend. They're, the, they're your one source for the classic and lightweight mat. They got the zip mat, the first and only tape-free mat for waterproof interlocking connection, and the digiprint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited, unlimited graphics and unrivaled school branding. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. And we love Resolite, but this time of the year, we really love FantasyGrade.com and the Fantasy Wrestling National Championships. The live event, we're recording this on Monday, so this will probably go up Tuesday. So when you hear this, the live event is tomorrow, Wednesday, the night before the national tournament at the Yard in Pittsburgh. And Fantasy Grade's got a few spots left. I think there's two or three spots left when I talked to Christian Thompson the last time. They also have a salary cap online contest, tons of prizes, uh, tons of, of things you can win. And uh, those guys have agreed this year to have a silent auction or a raffle, and they're going to donate the money to the Extreme Couture GI Foundation and USA Wrestling. So go to fantasygrade.com, sign up for both events today, and prove you're the smartest wrestling fan in the country. Now, having said that, I thought the Foz pitch matchup was kind of rough, you know, for for Nick. I mean, you know, I, I think he might struggle against a guy that that is that long, and also he wouldn't have just come off of a weight cut. You know, it'd be on Thursday night. I think that's it's significant. Do you who do you feel like Foz would have a better chance of knocking off Pitch or Lee? I mean, he beat Nick Piccinini last year, so I was a little worried about that match, especially like you said. I mean, it's a two seed. You, you kind of expect them to have a fairly. I mean, there's no easy match in the national tournament, but a fairly simple time of it in the second round. So I was already circling that draw a little bit. I I think he does match up better with Piccinini, um, but you know Spencer Lee. We just don't know what we're going to see out of him. I mean, I like what he showed at the Big Tens. And like you said, maybe Foz will be big on Thursday night. Obviously, he'll have to stay close enough to make it by Friday morning. But that's the time to get that upset is that second round match. So uh, it's definitely a big change. I think he matches up better with Piccinini, but uh, I wouldn't rule out him giving Lee a, a, a good battle in that second round. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know we're going to do picks, and I got to be honest, I, I had studied all the brackets. I haven't restudied the 125 because I was busy running the event and driving back from Pittsburgh today. 
um, are back from Kansas City today, but I'll make my picks on this one as well because I feel like I have a comfortable lead in the uh, over-unders in our picks from the beginning of the year. So I feel like I might be okay. Ah. When I- <laughs> that was ah, subtle. Getting cocky. Getting cocky. I, I com- I've comported myself very well this year, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that is the word of our podcast these last few weeks, and it's going to continue to be so, I think. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I obviously have stepped down, but we got a couple things to get to before we get into that. Um, another interesting note also came out on Twitter today. Kyle Connell uh, told the world that if he gets another year, if he gets a medical red shirt, that he is going to go to Penn State for his final year of eligibility. We talked about this a little bit before we came on air. And, um, you know, we don't know if Shakur Rashid or Anthony Kassar is going to get a sixth year, but both of those guys could stay at their weight. Um, you got Beard coming in and his highly rated recruit that, kind of slots in at 197 but since he gray shirted this year he could red shirt uh and then it's you know penn state is ridiculously loaded around there but connell could take a year if he's healthy and wrestling as we saw him at last year's ncaa tournament what does this mean to you now that you've heard it and had a about what 10 minutes to digest it <laughs> Well, I think the main thing is I'm happy that Penn State is 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 doing well because they've struggled in recruiting in recent years, and so it's good to finally mm-hmm. see a guy that you know might 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 have an immediate impact. So, uh, but for sure, I mean he's he fits in perfect, right? Like, and these guys, you know, I I think a lot of colleges do this. We didn't do it in junior college because it's the turnover so quick. But you have to have a four or five year whiteboard out there. I think they are obviously doing it very well and, and as well as anybody. So to see them, you know, and who wouldn't want to go there, right? Especially if you're a heavy, a heavier guy, an upper weight guy. I mean, the, you know, who you have to train there with Kale and Casey and Barner, you know, and then you look at the success that these guys have had. And, you know, I mean, to just, and, you, know, what, you know, what a perfect rental situation for Penn State, right? You get a guy. I mean, the one thing that that college, high school kids transitioning to college generally don't do as well is in the upper weights because of the grown man strength. So if you let Beard have an extra year, that probably just makes him even more likely to be good as a freshman. Yeah, he looked awfully good this year in the competitions that we saw him in. So I, I didn't have a lot of worries about him coming in next year. But if Connell beats him out, which, of course, there's possibility that he won't, yeah, Beard will just slot right in the next year and be that much better for it. So uh, good for Penn State. And, I, I mean, I always hope guys get a sixth year if they want one. You know, you can only wrestle for so long. So having injuries like he's had, I hope he gets one. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, one last mention before we go into the to our picks and breaking down brackets. The first ever NAIA Women's National Tournament concluded this weekend in Jamestown, North Dakota. and the WCWA champs, Menlo, rolled to the team title, dominated the competition, won five titles, and crowned 12 All-Americans to become the first-ever champions. So shout-out to them. They had an excellent year, and they've got a young team, so they're not going anywhere. Nice job, Menlo. Winning a title is winning a title at any level, so congratulations to those folks. That's that's highly commendable. Moving up to 125 pounds, we'll start with the new bracket. Um, you know, and I, I meant to mention Resolite here. You got the read off already. My my wife commented on the mat and the cool interlocking system this weekend. So 
Uh, shout out to Resolite. They're doing it right and catching the and they eye. Send us the decals too. Yeah. They sent us the decals. Absolutely. Out there as well. So that was cool too. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go through here. I'm going to make my pick for the finals. Who's who I think is going to win. Then I'm going to look at a few value picks for those of you playing the fantasy grade contest or any other contest this weekend. And then just make a few notes. And obviously I'm going to give David a chance to respond and tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> so 125 pounds. I think, I still think Spencer Lee is going to figure this out and win it. He's my pick. Um, I think he beats Sebastian Rivera in the finals. He's going to have to earn it. Obviously now with the Foz draw, uh, that makes his road a little tougher. And, of course, if all goes to seed, he'll have to beat Piccinini and Rivera back-to-back, the two guys that have beaten him this year. Uh, but, you know, last year he didn't win a Big Ten title, and he showed up at Nationals and was just a ball of fire. So he showed me enough at Big Tens. I think he's going to get it done. Uh, what's your reaction to that pick, and what is your pick for the finals? Uh, it, you know, you, you stick with the champ, right? I mean – I kind of break these down in quarter brackets. So as I'm looking at them, I, it feels like Rivera, Vito, and then, you know, it feels very chalky. Rivera, Vito, then Mueller, Presser, then Lee, Sean Russell, and then Glory Pitch. I mean, then it gets really interesting to me because I think Vito can give Rivera problems. I mean, I've coached against Vito. He's so long. I think that would really be difficult. Mueller's so good on top, and Bresser's so explosive. I mean, if I was going to pick a dark horse to win this thing, I would pick Jack Mueller. I mean, if we were gambling and putting odds, that'd be my guy. I'm going to pick Pitch to win it. I just think he's had a really good year. I think he's jumped levels. I don't like his draw having to go through Glory in the quarters, Um, you know, because Glory, he had some success against him. Got, you know, got the takedowns, but... Right. I, I I guess I would. I think I'm going to go pitch, which is kind of crazy that neither one of us are picking Rivera. But I think Rivera has a less than awesome draw. I mean, he's got Vito or Foley in the quarters. I, to me, probably Vito, and then Mueller, who's a hammer on top, or Ronnie Bresser, who he's he's had to beat in overtime. This just feels like a weight where this weight class. If you said it was Vito against Mueller in the semis, I don't think we'd be that surprised. If Sean Foz made it to the quarters and, you know, has a good weight cut and wraps up Spencer Lee, that I wouldn't be surprised. If Glory beat Pitch, I wouldn't be surprised. So, I mean, this is just a – it's just a – if I was going to kind of just go bracket buster, I'll take Pitch against Mueller in the finals. Okay, yeah, I mean, I like the Mueller pick. At 125 two years ago, you know, he made that run to the semis and – got hurt at that point. So we'll never know what would have really happened. So he's obviously really good at this weight. Um, only reason he's a five seed is that he just hadn't wrestled anybody this year. So definitely a, a dangerous man. It is really, this weight goes eight deep. I, when I'm making my value picks, you know, I had Pat glory, the seven seed because of that match against Piccinini before that would be the quarterfinal there. Like you mentioned, and, uh, you know, Piccinini didn't take him down in that match. He won it on top. And of course he could win it on top again, but, there, there's a path to victory there for Pat Glory. He's wrestling well. You mentioned Vito Rujao from Cornell. It, really an eight deep weight because I feel like he's the guy. He's kind of the last guy I think that could really compete for those semifinal finals type spots. I, I think you're right. I think if Rujao made the finals or the semis, no one's overly surprised. It would obviously be an upset because Rivera's been outstanding this year. 
Um, so I don't want to undersell him at all, but that's going to be a dogfight. And then, you know, we talked about Sean Foz a lot. I had him at 15. Now he's a 14. He's a value pick because you just don't know what we're going to get from Spencer Lee. If he has a bad day or, you know, whatever happens. And then on the backside, you just never know how it's going to go. I think being a little bit lower seed might help Sean Foz. You know, he, he had a rough tournament last year from the five. This might be, he's coming in a little more under the radar this year. He's 11 and two. You just never know what you're going to get. He's capable of beating a lot of guys. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him being all American as well. Your thoughts? With Foz, I think it really comes down to his mindset, right? Like he's a senior. He's never going to weigh 125 pounds again in his life after Thursday morning. So is he, hey, I'm happy to be done with this and I'm just trying to just go out there and let it all hang out and whatever happens, happens, or is he really going to bear down and, you know, wrestle, wrestle fantastic and do a perfect weight cut. I think that's going to really determine, you know, what, what his, what his path is. Um, I put together a little spreadsheet where we have where guys are ranked versus where they're seated. And we took the rankings of, you know, almost every major source and really there's not a lot of, value in that sense. Drew Hildebrandt was ranked 17th and he's the 13th seed. So, I mean, he's kind of a guy that, you know, got a bump. He'd probably be the one guy if you go, hey, this guy got a better seed um, in terms of like you're playing the league or something like that. But it's very, very chalky at the top. It, it really is. Moving up to 133 pounds. Uh, championship finals pick. I'm still rolling with Stevan Micic despite his medical forfeit out of the Big Tens. Um, I've got him beating Dayton Fix of Oklahoma State in the finals. The bottom half of this bracket is insane. Uh, yeah. it, it's funny. I went and looked at all these guys, and I was trying to find guys on the top half of the bracket that could do some damage because you know it looks like the easier half, and it's hard to find. Um, you know, obviously Luke Pletcher and Mickey Phillippe are both good wrestlers, but when you look at that bottom half with Suriano and with Tariq Wilson's lurking down there as a double digit seed, you've got Lezak who always wrestles well at nationals, DeSanto and RBY who, I mean, both of those guys, would it really surprise you if they made a run? Uh, just a <laughs> lot of interesting guys in this bracket. My value picks were Austin DeSanto at seven, Tariq at 11 because of what he did last year, mostly. And then number 13, Austin Gomez, he's he's really the only one I could find on the top half that I went, you know, that guy could do something big from a double-digit seed. Montori Bridges is wrestling well, too, but I think he's a little more of a known quantity. Gomez could just pin about anybody. Uh, what was your take on the 133-pound bracket? Well, I did study this one, and I agree that a lot of the stuff is at the bottom. Um, Tariq Wilson's ranked 8th and seeded 11. Whereas Pletcher is ranked ninth and seated five. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's, that's pretty interesting. They're the sort of the opposite where, you know, and they're complete opposite body types too. I mean, I think Bridges is the kind of guy that could give Pletcher trouble. I, I, you know, you know how much I love Austin Gomez because I love Hector and I just love the fact that Hector can never get comfortable watching Austin wrestle. So, uh, <laughs> I think Tariq is interesting just because we watched him do it last year and he was a guy that I picked last year. So that that is, you know, interesting to me. I think this really comes down to whether or not Stevan is healthy or not, right? If he's healthy, he's the best guy, you know, except to, you know, maybe fix. But, I mean, he's wrestled Suriano close. 
you know, he's split with DeSanto. I'm going to be interested to see how DeSanto does mentally at the Nationals. And I think DeSanto RBY is a really interesting match. I think if it stays close for a while, that crowd is really going to get into it. And it'll be interesting to see that it's not really a much of an upset, a 10 and a 7, but I think that could happen. I, I, I guess I'm going to... I'm going to take fix against Suriano, and it comes down to all the rideouts and riding time. <laughs> not hands to the face again. Well, that part <laughs> of me is praying that that's not the case. Yeah, for sure on that. Yeah, I might get it. I might get thrown out of the arena if it comes down to that again, because I will not be happy either way. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And from a team race point of view, obviously, I think everybody thinks Penn State is unbeatable um, in that regard and RBY could really like slam the door. Even if Penn State stumbles in a few places, if somebody like RBY comes through and pulls a Nico Megalutis and makes the finals from a 10 seed, if he does it in this weight class, he'll become legendary anyway, because this is a loaded class. <laughs> uh, but if he did something like that, Penn State would be uh, way out of sight. So keep an eye on that. That's, that second round match with DeSanto is going to be must-see TV anyway. Moving up to 141 pounds, uh, I, I'm picking the champ. Yanni uh, came back this year, showed exactly what he needed to show. He's the number one seed undefeated. I've got him winning another title, and I think he beats Joey McKenna of Ohio State. So not going out on any limbs here, one versus two and one winning. Uh, value picks, this was a tough weight to find a lot of value. I mean, you look at Nick Lee, he's properly seated. Josh Albert got kind of a gift of a seed at four. And so it's hard to find a lot of guys. But, you know, Jaden Ironman, very dangerous, seated where he's going to match up with Josh Alber in the quarters. I like that matchup. And then, you know, he's the only guy to beat Diakama Hollis in college. So that could be a potential semifinal. So him at five is really interesting. You're going to get bonus points there. So I definitely like that one. And then, you know, Cade Brock's down there at 15. That's kind of a reach. It's mostly what he's done before, but... Two-time All-American at 15 is hard to pass up. And then sitting at number 20, if you want an absolute shot in the dark, Matt Finlay has had a really good year for Utah Valley, but he's been out with injuries for a long time now. He injury defaulted at the Big 12s as soon as he took the mat. If he's healthy, if somehow he's gotten it back together, he's a very dangerous man at the 20 seed. Uh, it's just a complete risk because I have no idea if he's healthy. What do you think about 141? Well, I think there's some guys here that have some real value, like Chad Red at 16. I mean, even if he loses to Yanni, you know, he's a guy that can come back. I think Dom Demas at nine is really intriguing. I mean, I think he can beat Mitch Moore. He could beat Kanan Store. I don't think he can beat Yanni fundamentally for seven minutes, but I think if he gets him up top, he can put a six-pointer up there, maybe win 10 to nine. I agree with you completely about Ironman. I think. He's got Debian, then probably Cam Kelly, who he's wrestled, and then Albert, who, and, you know, he was sicker than a dog when he lost that match. He lost it, and, you know, he didn't say anything, but I know that for a fact. And, you know, I actually had lunch with Alex Clemson today and tried to get him to say something, you know, I could use, and he wouldn't do it. But I think they'd rather be on Yanni's side than on McKenna's side. McKenna's just so fundamental that he just really is a terrible matchup for Ironman. On the bottom half, I mean, I I don't know. I think Cade Brock struggles so much on bottom. I think McKenna's a terrible matchup for him. And then even if he did that, he'd have McKee. 
you know, I think maybe I think Tristan Moran's in a good spot. I mean, he we know he can beat Murin. Mikey Carr's not wrestling well. And I mean, I think he if if Nick Lee, you know, I mean, if they get to the quarters, I mean, Lee is certainly a favorite, but it wouldn't shock us if Moran put him on his back one time. It'd just be a question of whether it's a two count or four count or he steps over him or something. But I mean, I think Moran's intriguing to me at 11. I assume we're making picks. And if we're making picks, you know, I'm going to be boring here and say Yanni over McKenna, but my dark horse to make the finals is Ironman. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I agree with all the all the guys you said. Demas gives me a little bit of pause because he was wrestling really poorly until the Big 12 tournament. I, I don't know what to make of that guy. If he you know got his second wind, great. He could definitely be good. And, of course, Chad Red, yeah, is interesting. With an All-American last year, he kind of is the same way. Had some really head-scratching results this year and then shows up to the Big 10 tournament, has a huge event. And Mikey Carr went the other way. Good all year and then complete disaster at the Big Ten. So those are always the hardest ones to call when your season doesn't match your conference tournament. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of guys out there, uh, a lot of interesting names at this weight. I just don't know what to make of most of them, but I agree with your analysis. So moving up to 149. Again, unfortunately, I'm going chalk. I don't like to do it, but I will. Anthony Ashnault of Rutgers, I think, becomes Rutgers' first national champion by beating Micah Jordan again um, of Ohio State. It's really interesting with Kaladzic on that side of the bracket now, on the, you know, on the top side with Ashnault. We thought one of those two guys was going to be down low with Jordan as the you know 2-3 matchup, and Kaladzic took a few losses down the stretch, a couple, and... Uh, he ends up as the five seed. I think there's a lot of value there because I think he wrestled well at the national tournament after a head scratching loss in February. So I, I think there's a lot of value picking him. He could absolutely, you know, end up in the finals and no one would be overly surprised. I have Pat Lugo at 10 as one of my value picks. The 7-10 right there between Lugo and Gefeller is really going to decide who I think on that bottom side is going to make a run. I just don't know what Gefeller is going to do. He looked better at the Big 12s, but not completely better. So I don't know what that's going to be about. And then, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know Davian Jeffries fascinates me, and I think he's a guy that could really mess up the bracket. I don't think he's going to do anything with Ashnault, but he's beaten Christian Montserrat before, so that probably puts him in the second round. And then if he gets on the backside and starts pinning people and throwing people on their back, I just, I don't know. I don't know where this is going, but I think he could make a run. So that's awesome. Where this is going? Well, it's you know you watch this guy wrestle. I have no idea from match to match what he's going to look like, how he's going to wrestle, if he's going to win or lose, and his opponent seems to make almost no difference to that. So I don't know what's going to happen. He may flame out and go and two and make me look like an idiot. But I just, for some reason, I feel like he's turned that senior corner and is going to give this one last go, and I just, it's going to be interesting. So that's what I think. Uh, what do you think about 149? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Ashnault's the pick, the guy to beat. I, I'm kind of intrigued by Brady Berge. Like, it feels like he's in a pretty good spot. You know, I mean, he he's 18 and three. I mean, his wrestling Kalasdik is 21 and three. Uh, and I think Mahler is like a terrible matchup for Klosdick because if like Klosdick is an awesome sort of station to station wrestler. If you get him rolling around, 
he's not as good. And Mahler is really good at making you roll around. And I, I, I'm interested in that match. I think that could be some problems. So, I mean, I'm, you know, it's like a lot of these things. Obviously, you're interested in a lot of them, but I think how that goes is going to determine a lot. Um, on the bottom half, I think Fine Silver. I mean, he can't be underrated as a three, but he's from a non-power school. We don't talk about him a lot. He's a hammer on top. I think Fine Silver could give Micah Jordan a lot of problems because he just wrestles, tries to wrestle you zero zero. I'm shocked that you're picking Lugo over your cowboy. I, I literally almost fell out of my chair. I don't know if that's some pure exhaustion or what you just said, but uh, and, I, and you know he hasn't had a very good season. But I think Max Thompson is intriguing as a fifteen. He's a guy that can get hot. He's done it here before, uh, and like you said, maybe if he, if he loses to Micah, he's one of those guys that could do some damage on the back. Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> having seen that Gefeller Lugo match not a month ago, you know, it's fresh in my mind. And I think guys that are really good on defense are going to give Gefeller trouble because he likes to attack. And I'm a little worried about that one, but we'll see how that goes. I'm with you. Mahler, I'm concerned about that second round match with Anthony Artelona. That could be a really interesting one too. Um, But, you know, if Mahler survives that quarter, He'll have earned it, and he's had a great year, so it definitely could happen. One other guy I want to mention, Ryan Blees is the 26th seed. He's had a really rough year, but he's kind of coming on a little bit under the radar. He, I went and looked today because I was interested to see. He was 7-9 and nine on January 6th. He's, been, he's gone 9-5 and five since then, and his only losses are to Justin Oliver twice, Mitch Feinsilver twice, and Austin O'Connor once. So all guys, you know, top 10 guys. So he, you know, I, I'm not picking him to beat Gefeller, but he seems to be getting back to that Ryan Blees that we all used to know that can go with anybody and compete with anybody. Uh, I don't know if he's going to pull off any upsets or make a big run, but he's not going to be an easy out. And I, I think early in the year we were concerned he was going that way. So keep an eye on him, especially on the backside. Yeah, I agree. Moving up to 157 pounds, I mean, Jason Nolf, right? Jason Nolf is the pick. Tyler Berger is my pick to finish second. I, I, I went against Berger. I, I entered a little contest over on the Hawkeye Report. They were doing a Big Ten pick em, and you could only pick so many ones and so many twos, and I thought maybe Berger, you know, he wrestles close matches a lot, so I thought maybe he wouldn't uh, make the finals, but I, I – I'm a believer after that performance. He just keeps winning this year. Nolf's the only guy that can take him out, and, and it's just a testament that how good Jason Nolf is that he's head and shoulders above Tyler Berger, even after all the times they've wrestled. Berger can't stay close to him. So uh, Nolf over Berger is the pick. If you're looking for value, Hayden Heidley's number five uh, with two losses on the year and hadn't lost in a very long time. Um, so obviously on Nolf's side of the bracket, that's going to be hard for him to make the finals, but he's got a quarter with Alec Pantaleo projected. Wouldn't be a surprise if he makes the semifinals and, you know, finishes in that top four again. So he's a bit of a value pick. I also like number eight, Josh Humphreys of Lehigh. He hadn't lost in a while and he's wrestling really tough. He's beaten the number nine seed, Christian Pagdaleo. He beat him six to one in January. So 
Good matchup there. Again, on the offside of the bracket, so he's not going to make the finals, <laughs> but a freshman that could really do some damage. Um, I, I think he's going to be up for this. What did you think about 157? Well, so you and I follow each other on Twitter, I think. I know I follow you. You probably don't follow me, but um, I saw you. Do you ever tweet? It's rough, dude. <laughs> Sad but true. Um, help me understand how Hayden Heidley got the five seed and Deacon got the three. So I haven't sat down to break it down, um, but my guess would be I have the last coach's ranking here, too. My guess would be quality wins would go um, against Hayden Heidley. Obviously, conference finish would go to to uh, Deacon. I mean, to go to Heidley because he won his conference. I, I I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't know if Deacon has a win over Larry early. If he does, that be that would give him probably head to head. I mean, not head to head. Common opponents, but. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That was kind of a head scratcher for me. Um, Hydley didn't. Hydley ended up ahead of Deacon in the coaches' ranking, so it's really strange. I know that there were a couple of places where the committee just decided to, you know, move guys. Um, you know, for example, Preston Weigel finished behind Brucky for you know if you go head to head and look at the uh, seeding criteria, but Weigel got the seed, so I'm not really sure what happened there exactly. Um, but it, that's one of those things that you're mad about if you're a coach, but if you're getting to, to do a pick em contest, you're, you're taking note of because yeah, Hydley's on un, underseated. Yeah. I just, I just, I struggle with that. I mean, so like you said, Nolf's the guy at the top of the bracket. I think the bottom of the bracket shakes out nice for, for Berger. You know, I think, it doesn't feel like there's really any, I mean, I honestly, like if Pantaleo was the six seed, I probably would pick him. Like I, you know, to make the, come out of the bottom. I mean, obviously if Hydley was on the bottom, I would pick him. Uh, you know, I, I don't see in a lot of people up to up upsetting burger. I think if it's anybody and it sounds, maybe it sounds crazy. I think it's Larry early. Just a guy that, you know, has a really, Contrasting style and might be able to do some damage. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. I've seen a lot of buzz about Quincy Monday, and that's a first round match against Larry Early. So that I'm with you. That bottom of the bracket, I'm having trouble seeing anybody. I mean, Ryan Deacon's the three we talked about. You know, maybe he should be lower than that, and he struggled at the national tournament. So he really needs to show up and have a big tournament but he hasn't really shown that yet. So uh, this is a tough one. If you're looking for somebody on the bottom to come out of there other than burger. I agree. Moving up to 165 pounds. I'm still going with the champ. Vincenzo (laughs) Joseph has twice not won a big 10 title and gone on to win the NCAA title. He didn't win the big tens again this year. Uh, losing to Alex Marinelli. I've got him beating Alex Marinelli in the finals. Now, it sounds ridiculous, and I, I almost feel silly uh, picking it, especially with if you also pick Marinelli getting to the finals. I mean, Marinelli's beaten him twice now. But it, this is one of those things. Some guys just know how to do it at the NCAA tournament. You know, Jay Jaggers was the the 
the best at this. Just he would lose matches all year long and then show up and win nationals. It was bizarre. Some guys can do it. Um, I'm a believer that Joseph is one of those guys, and I think he beats Marinelli here. It, Marinelli will have to earn his way to the finals. You know, he's got a tough road. He's going to probably have Evan Wick again. Uh, he's going to likely have Makai Lewis, who beat him in freestyle last year. I don't think either one of those guys is going to beat him, but it's a tough road. And obviously, possibly Joe Smith in the first round. I don't think that's as big of a deal as some do, but um, it is an interesting, you know, two-time All-American. My value picks here: are Logan Massa of Michigan. He's you know he's right there. He beat Wick once at Big Tens and. If we're going down the list outside the top four, I, I like his chances to place well. Makai Lewis, like I said, I don't think he's going to beat Marinelli, but he could give him trouble. Obviously, if he upsets him, he's in great shape. And if not, I think he can do some things on the back. And here's where I get into there's a little bit of game theory here. You have to know your contest. If your contest, you know, thinks that the 13th ranked guy and the 33rd ranked guy are approximately the same. You spend about the same amount of money for them. Joe Smith is not your guy, in my opinion. However, if 33 is much more inexpensive than, you know, the 16th ranked guy, Smith at 33 is a value pick. He's really interesting. Like I said, I don't think he's going to beat Marinelli, but if his weight cut is right and if it's better this time around, you get a two-time All-American and he's the last guy in the field. So... It's very interesting to me. What did you think about 165? Well, you, you and I, you know, we're not always right. But we had the Joe Smith thing pegged. I, I tend to agree with you with Vincenzo. Uh, I mean, we know he can beat Shields. You know, Mass is a guy that has given him trouble, but didn't give him trouble the last time. I mean, it's almost like him. Lo- he got the better side of the bracket by losing, it feels like. You know, he gets away from Wick. He gets away from Marsteller. He gets away from Makai Lewis. He gets well. He was going to get away from Marinelli one way or another. So I mean, Marinelli would have to probably go through Joe Smith, Virouette, Makai Lewis, and either Wick or Marsteller. I mean, I to me, Marsteller feels like kind of an interesting guy. I mean, he's had like a really quiet season this year, right? Where not as much as other people and have talked about him and. He's still really good. You know, I know he got cradled last year by Wick, but I think some people are starting to figure that out. I mean, he's at a school where they don't have a gazillion guys in the tournament, so they can spend a lot more time scouting him or scouting, you know, opponents for him. So this is a weight where it feels so deep. It's hard to kind of pick a guy off the board to medal. I mean, Joe Smith is the obvious candidate of a guy sort of outside the top, you know, 10 that, that could medal. So, uh, I told somebody this. I coached a kid that won nationals. He wrestled 141 all year, won the nationals at 133. He made weight twice all year. He made weight at, made at the districts or whatever you want to call our qualifier. And then at nationals, and he wrestled like complete free stride garbage at the regional. But it was his first time down. And I just, I told him, I go, you're going to win nationals. He looked at me like I was crazy. I go, you're going to win nationals because you're going to get your weight down. And once you get your weight down, you're the best guy. And you know, this is going to go a long way towards, you know, did Coach Smith make the right decision in bumping all these guys down? Because in terms of seeding, right now it's not great. So it'll be really interesting to see how, it, you know, the right. seedings go versus the results. 
Like, I guess we're supposed to be making picks, right? So if we're making picks, <laughs> I got Vincenzo winning it. And I, I'll take Vincenzo. I'll take Vincenzo over Marsteller. Okay. Yeah, Marsteller is an interesting guy. Just he he's always seems to be right there, and yet he just never seems to beat the very top guys. So uh, he could definitely do it. He seems like he's talented enough, and there's not really any glaring holes in his game. But I just don't know. Um, yeah, and I thought it was an interesting. I looked today. Uh, Wick and Joseph have never met in college, despite both being in the Big Ten the last two years. And Marinelli and Wick have wrestled four times in the last two years, three times this season, and they could wrestle again at the national tournament. Obviously, uh, if things go to seed, Wick and Joseph won't meet, but we could see Wick in the finals, which would be interesting. Um, I don't know what that means. It's just this quirk that happened that I took note of. We'll see what happens. Moving up to 174 pounds. <sighs> I can't wait to take Zahid Valencia yes. as a number yeah. three seed um, in yes. every contest I enter. <laughs> I love him at three. He's, you know, yes, Lewis beat him last time. I don't see that repeating itself. And I think he and Hall are pretty much a coin flip at this point. And since Hall got the win last time, I kind of wonder what we're going to see out of Zahid at this national tournament. I could see him coming out on a seek and destroy mission and just laying waste to people. So, um, he's my pick to beat Hall in the finals. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. I could definitely see that going the other way, but I definitely think it's those two. Um, so my value picks, obviously Valencia is a three that can win it. I like him. Jacoby Smith as the seven seed. This is a hard weight to get a lot of value out of. Cause I think that top four is kind of impenetrable unless something weird happens. Um, I don't think anyone's, you know, going to get past Zahid, Hall, Lewis, and Amin. So it's it's who can get that fifth spot, and I think Jacoby definitely could. Um, he's got to survive a, a good matchup against Labriola in the second round. Um, Lewis kind of handled him the last time they wrestled. It was last year. Uh, so I think he's going to drop to the back, but he could also get you some bonus points. So he's one I'm watching. And then, uh, you know, I – this is one of those things that I, I find out every year and I always remember. And then I look it up every year again and I'm always surprised, which I don't know what that says about me. Probably that I've had a few concussions, but the eight, nine matchup is so crucial in these brackets. If everything goes to seed now, stuff doesn't always go to seed, but um, the Devin Skatska Taylor Luan loser projects to wrestle David McFadden in the round of 12. The winner projects to wrestle probably either Kimball Bastion or Dylan Lighty. And no disrespect to either two, one of those two guys, but I would much rather have them than David McFadden in the round of 12. And it's just that kind of stuff. You know, the 8-9 matchup, we kind of look at it like, well, you know, it's whoever wins it, they're probably going to lose to the one seed. It doesn't really matter, but it really sets up your tournament by winning that and getting that two more rounds on the backside ahead before you fall back. Uh, what do you think about 174? First of all, no Daniel it. Lewis love at all. Just, I mean, he, he he's cradled Zahid and pinned him. I mean, he's a bonus machine, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I love Zahid at the value of three. I'm just saying we have to, we have to acknowledge Lewis has had a pretty special year this year. So, yeah. Oh, he's outstanding. And he's going to be top four. 
he's just since he's a two seed, that's hard to pick with. You know, this, this feels. I mean, you said it right. It feels like there's a like a a. Now it feels like there's three guys on tier one, one guy in on tier two, and a bunch of guys on tier three. Right? We've kind of talked about this all year, except at first we thought it was two and two, and now it's three yeah. and one. You know, Lewis has firmly entrenched himself up there. So, you know, and then if you, so if you're looking for value, I mean, I guess the guy you look for value is like a Mikey Labriola, right? Who's seated 10, who could place. I mean, Jacoby's, yeah. sure. you know, might have had the best interview of the Big 12s when they said, well, what was the turning point in the match? Did you hear that interview? Or, I guess you didn't because you were there. He said the turning point in the match was before the match when I decided I was going to win. So that was awesome. So awesome. <laughs> it's like that's journalistic fantastic. gold. But I mean, so, you know, Labriola is, a, I think, a, a sneaky good pick. I mean, because his styles, you know, is probably okay against Jacoby. I mean, I don't think he can do much against Lewis. But, you know, like you talk about these formulas, he falls down and gets the wet loser of 231 or 232, which seed wise would be. Probably find Silver or Britt Wilson. Britt Wilson's a freshman, and that feels like a match he can win. So, you know, if I was taking a guy outside of the top eight, it would be Labriola. Uh, if I'm taking a guy to win it, that's not the number one. It's it's Sahid. Uh, and, and I'm going to abstain from 74. I'm picking the bottom half because I had lunch with Alex Clemson today, and he's my guy. But the winner of that match, I'll take the winner of that match, whichever one, against Mark Hall. I'll do that. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, we're talking about all this. You know, you talked about, you know, Amin being that tier two guy, even though he's, you know, he is a clear tier two. I understand it. But, you know, he's been so close. One of these days, he's going to get one of these I was thinking that in the Big Ten finals, guys. watching that. Like, um, he's so, the, it is weird. We put him on the second level, but he's like, you know, right. one in a whisker, really. Right? I mean, he's super, he's super close. Right. He's so close. Right. If he does it in the national semifinals, everyone's going to be surprised, but not that surprised. <laughs> Moving up to 184 pounds. Miles Martin from Ohio State is my pick. Um, on the bottom half, I have a little bit of a surprise. I think Drew Foster is going to make the finals. Um, and I'll tell you why. He's beaten Zach Zavatsky twice, who's the three seed. So I have him getting through that quarter. Um, and making the semifinals with Shakur Rashid. And I think that's a good matchup for Foster. Foster's another long guy, just like Rashid. Um, he's not going to try to horse him. He's going to try to pick him apart. I think he could stay out of the cradle. Obviously, it's going to be a tough match. All those matches at that level are, but I really like Foster kind of stumbled in February a little bit, didn't look like a guy, and he rebounded perfectly at the Big 12s, wrestled great, looked awesome. Uh, and now I think that's he's rebounded, and I think he's on the upswing, um, and I like his draw. So I think Drew Foster makes the finals there. So obviously a great value pick at the sixth seed. Uh, I also like 13 seed Nino Bonacorzi. I don't understand how he's the 13 seed. He's only lost to guys in the top 10. Um, he's beaten Nick Renan, who's the seven seed, twice. I, I don't understand that seed at all. Um, like I said, I haven't run all the numbers, so I'm sure it makes some sense somewhere, but it just to just looking at his body of work, it doesn't seem to add up. And then, you know, Dakota Gear at 26, he hadn't lost much at 184 this year. I think he's lost once to Drew Foster at 184, so it's more of a lack of a body of work, but we know how good he is. 
Uh, Nick Renan in the first round is a tough draw, but Renan's compromised. He's a little bit injured. He has been all year, so he's still posting respectable results, even injured. So he's still a favorite there. But, you know, if Gear gets that first takedown and gets on top, Renan's having a hard time getting off the mat. So, uh, he's, that's a dangerous one for him right there. Uh, that, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys in this weight you could talk yourself into. Which ones are you talking <laughs> yourself into? Well, I think we need to just give Miles Martin credit, right? Like, that's probably, you know, he's a, the Rashid thing, you know, yes. a lot of people have said, you know, he hasn't wrestled a lot of the good guys this year, you know, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I have a, a side question for you. Does Cash Wilkie finish in the round of 12 again? I mean, that's his home. Like, that's, so I he feel lives like in the round of 12. Then he so, loses yes, to I Max so. Dean, and, you know, I'm um, kind of doing some bracket stuff here. So then he would probably wrestle. Mason Reinhardt or Lafragola, he wins that match, and then and this is riveting radio, I know. And then he probably wrestled the loser at two forty, <laughs> which would be Bonacorsi if the seeds hold. That's interesting. And then if and then if that happened, he would wrestle. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. He would wrestle either probably Nick Renan, Dakota Gear, or Sammy Colbray. And you know, I mean. Renan's not healthy. Right. That's a tough road. That's a tough road, though. I mean, he's got to be Bonacorsi just to get to the round of 12. 12. Or, yeah. Maybe he doesn't. Like, that's interesting because I really like Bonacorsi. Um, And, of course, then if Bonacorsi pulls the upset and beats Parker, then then that's who ends up there. So that's a tough road for Cash Wilkie. Um, And then, yeah, you know, like you said – could be Renan Gear or Colbray. You know, I don't. I don't think Wilkie's going to make the round of twelve. I don't think he gets past that Bonacorsi okay. Parker loser, so unless he upsets Max Dean somehow. Right, I respect that. <laughs> yep, I, I'm going to take Wilkie not making I'm the round take of twelve. It that he will somehow. It'll happen. <laughs> he's he's a border brawler. Okay. I love right. that kid. All right, so I think bottom. I think I would have to. I mean. I think Renan not being healthy gives Rashid a pretty good path to the Sems. The Drew Foster pick is so well thought out. It's so logical. It, I'm, it guarantees it won't happen. It's just, it's too, too logical. It's too intelligent. Right. <laughs> so I think on that, I think I'll take, uh, I'll take Zavatsky to make the final. I'm just trying, I'm trying right. not to. We talked about that this. We got to stop agreeing uh, with each other on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we saw each other this weekend. We, we need to we need to agree less. So that's good. But you know, you know, we talked about it a little bit about that bottom, you know, part of the bracket with Renan and Gear and Colbray and you know, Shakur Rashid. Another guy lurking down there that we're not talking about. Chip Ness. I love him. All American last year. He, yeah, and so that's about Renan Gear. Yeah. I mean, it's reading gear, Colbray, Ness and Rashid all in, in an eight man group down there. Like that's, that's insane. That's right. It's crazy stuff. Somebody's going to be out super yeah. early. That's a pretty good wrestler. Moving up to 197 pounds. Uh, I think we've got another heavy favorite here. I've got Bo Nickel of Penn state. And I think Colin Moore of Ohio state will make the finals. I know 
Uh, Preston Weigel is going to be a, a trendy pick, and I think that's well warranted. But um, Colin Moore, you know, his last year he struggled a little bit with his gas tank at times. This year seems to have worked that stuff out, and uh, he's really good on his feet. I, I think he's going to find a way. You know, the other guy that intrigues me in that half of the bracket is Willie Miklas. You know, it, it seems weird to say about a guy that just got beat 10-0 by Weigel. Uh, but, you know, that quarterfinal that could be between Miklas and Weigel, I wouldn't put it past him because we know what Willie does at the NCAA tournament. Uh, we know he's going to be motivated. It, you know, I, there's an interview on track wrestling right now I did with Kevin Lavalley yesterday at the Border Brawl where he talks about, you know, uh, Willie's dad and what he meant to all of them and, it's it was an amazing interview just you know how all interconnected these guys are and of course those guys were teammates for a long time and so i just i don't know what we're going to see from willie but nothing would surprise me too much um if he makes a big run and makes the semis or even the finals i I wouldn't be shocked we've seen it from him before outperforming his seed Uh, another guy i'm keeping an eye on is ben honus of cornell who's wrestling much better down the stretch Hadn't lost in quite a while, won an EIWA title. And, you know, he's the nine seed, so obviously best case scenario, he gets into the quarters and loses to Bo Nickel. But I think he could beat Nathan Traxler in that 8-9 match, and it sets him up to be an All-American, so I'm watching him. And then Eric Schultz, he's back to wrestling everybody deep into overtime, no matter how good they are. You know, they can't score on him. So, you know, you look at his Big Ten results, he's you know he's got Warner in tiebreakers, and he's got – all these guys just push deep. And when you get that close, it all it takes is one break, one good move, you know, one weird call and you're in there. So at 14, he could be worth a gamble. So that's what I'm looking at at 197. How about you? Well, I'm, I, I'm trying to disagree with you as much as I can, but I can't disagree with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I was literally going to say, I, I think Miklas, I think he picked down against Weigel just to see how tough it's going to be. Cause yeah, he's wrestled him before. He's beaten him before. Usually he puts him in one weird, funky scramble and puts him on his back. So I, I like the Miklas pick. Um, I'm a little sad you've jumped off the Tom Slay train. Um, that was a band that you had started. People think I don't remember <laughs> these things just because I'm running on fumes right now, but I do. Uh, I, I, <sighs> Rookie's twenty nine and one in the four seed, and that's so weird. And he's a he's got Warner, who's the five. Right. He lost to in high school. It's tough, you know. Like obviously stuff changes, but you know, I think he beat him in Midlands a couple years ago. But it's just it's weird, man. So I mean, if I got to pick a guy to come out of the bottom half, I, I'm gonna just this is a completely you know not there's some logic, but I'm gonna go Willie Miklas. He's been there so many times. I think it's Russell for a bigger purpose. I just listened to the interview you did with Joey Lavalley and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know that Willie's going to go wrestle, you know, a bunch internationally. So, um, I think it's, it's, I, I, I think we have to, you know, pick them. So, so, you know, I'll go, I'll go with, you know, I'll go with Nickel and Nicholas. All right. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Warner Brucky thing about high school. That whole quarter is just weird because Kaywood beat Warner very early this year, and that's likely a second round match. So 
Warner has to beat a guy that just beat him to get to a guy that he beat a while back. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Things change, like you said. Kaywood was way up there in the rankings for a while and really struggled down the stretch. So I don't know what we're going to see from him, but fascinating quarter. And, and you know, yeah, they're probably wrestling to lose to Bo Nickel, but we've discussed it just sets you up for the rest of the tournament. So we'll see how that goes. Moving up to 285 pounds. I picked him before the season. You picked him before the season. I know he just lost to Anthony Kassar, but I think Gable Stevenson is the pick. I've got him beating Derek White in the finals. Um, you know, Stevens, Stevenson's the three seed and would, I don't know, like that. I've watched that match. Kassar did everything right, won the match at the end. Uh, but I just, I feel like Stevenson's going to have another level, another gear to go to. Um, and he's going to get the win in the rematch. So this is really an interesting weight. You've got Amar Desi lurking out there as the sixth seed. Um, he's 10 and one this year. We know what he did last year for Oregon State. He lost a match to Mason Paris right out the gate when he came back. We weren't sure we were going to see him this year. Comes back, loses, hadn't lost since. Uh, and he's sitting there at the sixth seed, so he's probably going to see Stevenson in the, in the quarters, which is a, a fascinating matchup. We haven't seen those two wrestle. You know, it should be Stevenson, but. I think Desi can do a lot of damage and get in that top four running through the backside. And then you've got another guy in Yusef Hamida of Maryland who was struggling this year mightily, came into the Big Ten tournament unseated, and then took third, just running the gauntlet after a first-round loss to Paris, beating a guy like Hilger who he's going to see in the second round. He's another guy that if he's right again like he was last year, he could be top six, maybe even get up to that four spot. So... Those are a couple of guys I like value wise, um, but this is really going to be fun, especially the two three matchup that projects out and uh, the finals should be a lot of fun. How did what Mason Paris get the five seed? I can't explain it. I don't know. I I mean I know why Jordan Wood got the four, but I looked at it today. His best wins are over number fifteen and number twenty. Now he's only lost to the top three, well, so, but like, don't you have okay. to beat somebody? So you and something? I had this conversation about one, two, three last week where you were incredibly helpful and said they should all be tied. It was like, <laughs> just makes. And then they were in the coaches' yeah. ranking. The best work you've done all year. Sarah were tied in the coaches' ranking. So anyway, <laughs> um, having said that, who should be the four? How would you have seeded this four, five, six? Well, the four is really hard. And so, like I said, I understand why Jordan Wood ended up getting it because there's really not, I mean, you can't give it to Desi because he didn't really wrestle anybody this year and he does have that loss. That's probably how uh, Paris ended up as the five, he beat Desi. Uh, frankly, because yeah. he beat Desi. But there's just not another, right. And there's just not another guy. So I understand why Wood ended up there. It's just, it's weird because everybody else took losses all year long. You know, Paris took losses. Conan Jennings beat him. I don't know how many times. And that's the second round match five twelve. So that, I mean, even though Paris got what a lot of people are talking about being a gift of a seat at five, he got a terrible draw. <laughs> I mean, Conan Jennings is really good, especially, and it seems to be a class of styles. So I don't know. Um, I don't think there was a right way to do this after the first three. Um, so 
I, I still don't know that I like Paris at the five with seven losses, but getting Jennings as the draw kind so of evens that quick. up. Here's, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, and these guys like didn't said, run I need the numbers. To run the they numbers. just did rankings like me. But here's five other sources. Desi, four, five, five, four, four. Jordan Wood, five, four, four, five, five. So they, they actually had Desi ahead of Jordan Wood by a fraction. Hamida, six, six, six. Go ahead. Wait. Well, I just think part of the problem with using rankings is that a lot of those guys used last year as kind of a reference point, especially for a guy like Desi that we haven't seen all year. You know, we haven't seen him at the big events. So I think he's riding a lot on that from a seeding standpoint. I, I, I don't know how you would defend okay, that. Okay, so Hamida, 66678. Um, they got me to say 666 on national radio. That's bad luck. Hilgar seven 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 eight nine stencil. This is crazy. He is eight nine twelve fifteen six seven. Then Haynes was uh, eight eleven eleven thirteen ten. Here's Mason Paris eleven ten ten twelve eleven. I have him at ten, the highest. You know, tied with the highest. Yeah. You just that's phenomenal right. to me that that's that's how that went. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I haven't run the numbers yet. I'll be interested to see how he matches up. It's weird, uh, but like you know, as you can kind of tell, there you've got Desi and Hamida who kind of are relying on mostly last year. I mean, Hamida had a rough Big Ten season until he did have a great tournament. And he still lost to Paris in that tournament. Uh, so it's once it gets outside that top three, it gets a little weird from a seeding standpoint. And so we ended up here. Um, you know, Paris has a loss to Stencil this year. He has a lot of losses. And guys like that that have really good wins and a lot of losses kind of break the seeding formula, I think, a little bit. So it's a little bit of a perfect storm. Um We'll see how it plays out. You know, maybe he goes out and makes the semifinals well, maybe, and we're all kind of eating our words, but maybe, but it's, it's, it's also easier to sure. make the semifinals from a certain spot in the bracket. Here, here's the one thing I'll say. Be, people should be consistent. Okay. If you sure. don't want to complain about any rankings at all and say rankings don't matter. And it's like a jujitsu tournament. Cause all they care about is first. Okay. I mean, that's crazy, but okay. You know, that's how you want to do it. I mean, I've fought in tournaments like that and, so I, I, I'm familiar with that. If you say seeding matters, which I actually think it does, you can't say, but let's just arbitrarily stop seeding at 16. They should have been going all the way down all the way when they have the data. Now, if you say, well, I don't like the formula, okay, that's fine. You know, you, you know, people can tweak, say that the formula should be tweaked or this or that, or that coaches shouldn't be doing rankings because of biases and time and, just lack of data and things like that. And I do rankings, and I guarantee you that over 19 weeks and ranking 25 guys at 10 weights, so that's 250 a week, you know, almost 5,000 rankings, I promise you I missed one or two. I, I promise you I did. But I know I pay attention more than when I was coaching in college and trying to do it then. So, you know, I mean – but just, you know, people can't, you can't complain on the opposite sides of the same coin. Like you either have to be all in or all out because the rest just doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, I do agree that seeding matters. Um, and I don't understand how Paris is the five seed. I just looked up the coach's ranking. He's 10th right in the coach's ranking. So I guess right where we had going him on ten. head to head. What's that? Right. So uh, I don't know what happened. Like I said, it gets weird after the top three, but I, I don't understand it. The thing that bothers me the most about the seeding, and I, I don't mind the people that want to say, hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to go out there. Because that's the right attitude to have if you're an athlete, if you're coaching and you're espousing that to your athletes, that's the right idea because you can't do anything about it. Once it's on paper, you got to go, you got to be the bad draw and go out and win your matches. So I, I get that. You know, I'm not getting on anybody that says that because they're trying to lead their athletes. I'm with that. But it, from an administrative standpoint, which, you know, we have a seating committee, they have this formula. Like you said, you can nitpick the formula. I have some tweaks I'd like to see made that we can talk about in the off season. My objection is if you have this formula and you believe in it at all, you should only override it in the rarest of circumstances. And it seems like a few times this year they overrode it. I when I just don't understand why. I mean, why is Mason Paris the five when he's the 10 in the coaches ranking? I didn't understand the Weigel Brucky flip. I mean, yes. it's super meaningful, but I didn't understand the why. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's not a huge error in judgment if they're flipped the other way. So, to me, like I said, I know people don't like formulas in general, but at least let it be the formula. Only override it if it's just a ridiculous travesty and judgment that is so obvious to everyone that you need well, to flip it. I, I don't understand. I remember when we all. started doing our rankings and Andy Hamilton and I were talking about, and I know you dealt with this at Open Mat. I think it was 21 days over there. If you don't wrestle for 21 days, they'll, they'll pull you from the rankings. And obviously, if you wrestle, they'll put you back in. And that's not right or wrong. It's not what we do, but it's not right or wrong. You know, and I told him, I go, I'm not doing that. And he said, why? I said, you want me to pull Kyle Snyder out? He goes, well, we have a Kyle Snyder. We can have a Kyle Snyder exception. And, you know, the problem is when you start making, you know, then there's just, well, why not the, hey, Jay Nyerman had, the, you know, the flu for three weeks. He didn't. But I'm saying that using a guy, an example, who's really, really good, but hasn't won an Olympic gold medal yet. Like, well, we're not going to do that for him. Like, oh, so there's an Olympic gold medal exception? What if the guy took a bronze? What, you know, what if he just made the world team? Like it's super, it's slippery slope on a lot of things in life. So I, I, the formula can always be tweaked, but I mean, here's what I love to, I mean, it's, it sucks if you coach and you were doing all this first round matchup seating and stuff, like with what happened with Milhoff and now everybody's got a different draw, but it's what's fair. It's, you know, I mean, I tell you this, like, Here's a crazy thing. Right. A couple of years ago, when they only seeded the twelve, they just plucked, they just would have plucked him out and put a dude in and not changed anything. You know, <laughs> that's not fair. I mean, that's just not fair. It's easy. You know, I heard right. somebody saying, "Well, just just do it like they do it in high school." You know, like it's a formula, right? Like at least Missouri, there's four districts, and it's no. one versus four, two no. versus three in every district. And the only thing is, like, if you win the district and I take second, we're guaranteed to be on the opposite side. You know, one and four on one side, two and three on another of any given district. If you're going to do that, and I'm not saying it's bad, you have to go to four super regions. 
you have to go to four super regions, right? And then separate the top four in each one. So the 16 are seated and then you can do whatever you want with the bottom 17 guys. But that's the only way to do it. And it's still crazy. I mean. Well, the the hardest part with that sort of system, I mean, I understand it. A lot of states do something similar to that. The hardest part is wrestling is so different that if you do something like that and you separate the teams, you're always going to have strong weight classes and weak weight classes. And if you have four qualifiers at every weight, some guys are going to get left out that deserve to be there. And I, I hate that. It's what I love most about our current system. It's not perfect, but by and large, the best guys get to go. There's still a chance to wrestle your way in at the end of the year, but if you're one of say about the best 25, 26, 27 guys, you're going. You're going to the show, and I like that about the current system. Um, one thing before we get going too much farther, we are way into this podcast. We're about to talk about the Missouri Border Brawl again, and I realized yeah. I saw our Pure Clean friends, friends this No, quick uh, shout-out to those guys. They were there this weekend with Jaden Cox. They'll be at the Fantasy Wrestling event on Wednesday. They've been awesome partners. They're doing great things to keep guys healthy and on the mat and being able to train and compete. Love what Ryan Freeman is doing. So, you know, go to Pure and Clean Sports, Google them, and check out what they're doing. they got great products. And if you want to learn more about them, come to the Fantasy Wrestling National Championship. Ryan Freeman will be there with uh, with his uh, co-worker, Jake, from State Farm, and they'll have samples there that you guys can check out. He wears khakis. <laughs> He's wearing khakis. That, that is a throwback yeah, reference solid. right there. That's well, quite a reference. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Two weeks ago, obviously, it was at the Big 12s. Uh, the weekend between conference tournaments and D1s is usually kind of a down weekend for me. I usually spend it breaking down brackets. This year, you had the Missouri Border Brawl. Eventually, when I figured out that it was in Kansas City and not St. Louis, I made the trip up with the wife. It was really a lot of fun. I was glad we came up on the drive back. We we're all already making our plans for next I love year. That, man. Whether you hold it in Kansas City or St. Louis <laughs> or find another location to confuse me a little more. Uh, but it was a great event. AWL brought the, the heat to finish it off, but I was really impressed with the level of high school wrestling and the intensity. I mean, you know, sometimes in these all-star matches, you get guys that haven't trained in a while or they don't take it seriously, but it, seemed like every match from the girls' 103-pound match all the way through, it, it, it just they brought it. They were intense. They, they put on a show, and they were all you know fighting tooth and nail, whether they were overmatched or in a dogfight. And I was really well, impressed by look, how that all went down. You and me gave each other a lot of trouble, but let me say, it, it meant a lot to me personally that you were there. Uh, it meant a lot to me that you took the time to do the interviews, that you helped us with everything from setting up a step and repeat banner to helping us with silent auction and raffle sales. And no task was too big or too small. So just as friends, that meant a lot to me. The high school kids absolutely brought it. The little league kids absolutely brought it. We had 13 high school matches. 23 of those kids had one state at least one time. I had a kid... His mom said he's got 103 fever, and I know the kid. I didn't even respond because I knew he was going to wrestle. You know? uh, and he goes, did my mom text you? I go, yeah. <laughs> he goes, what do you think? I go, I think you're going to wrestle unless your arm falls off from that fever, right? He got a big grin on his face. I go, go figure out a way to get a W, kid. 
and he won. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he just, you know, he got it done. And I know if he lost, he wouldn't complain. Uh, the girls match was awesome. Those two kids do not like each other. That was fantastic. Um, we saw a kid who was 120 something and oh, in high school get beat 16 to nothing. And that kid's going to be a hammer in college. The other kid just came correct. So, I mean, it, I got to give Jason Keck from Kansas City credit. He put the kids matches together, helped me make a ton of the, the decisions on the high school matchups. And I think every kid that was there had a great time. I got to give Grant Turner and Nike uh, a big shout out. They put all, those kids in awesome uniforms. We had a DHL issue, and, and I now have the quarter zips in my possession that we were supposed to have Friday when we left town. And Grant came up with the last minute and created some awesome hoodies that uh, the kids could wear to warm up in. So, I mean, that guy, no task again, too big or too small. Uh, I had so many people just say to me, Randy Couture is like the nicest human being you could ever meet. And what I tell people is this, I work my tail off for that event. I would not do it if it was representing somebody who even had 1% jerk. And I could use a lot stronger word if the person even 1% a bad person, I wouldn't do the work I do. I would just write a check and go on about my life. So he, he is... There there was a, a guy that sponsored us on Friday, and he said his son was walking around with his headgear for a day and a half just so Randy would sign it. Uh, There's a guy that drove three hours to meet him and was in tears when he did. And it, it I tell people that, that our event is about changing lives, making memories, raising money, and then wrestling. And and I, I, I think you know, I, I get a little emotional, but I think that's what it should be about in that order. It's taken me four or five years to get to that point. You know, I'm a wrestling nerd, but it's wrestling just this vehicle. And, you know, you're a military veteran yourself, obviously, but you and I love talking wrestling. And so I think to be able to put something together like this and, and build a widget that people are excited about uh, is really cool. And it's it's starting to really grow. And, I, and that, that that has me excited. Yeah, it was a really cool weekend. Raised a bunch of money for the Couture Foundation, which is obviously the the founding factor. And a shout out to my new friend, Chad Playstead of the Tyrone Stone Woods Foundation. I found out a lot about them this weekend. They're doing great work. Just great people all around this weekend. A lot of fun. Uh, people that don't know, I have a bruise on my knee now because they're, we sold equipment and items from all over the world and we were so jammed in there that we had to go under the table to get in and out so i kept going under the table to go do interviews and then i'd come back and sell some more silent auction gear so i've got a bruised knee up and i'm playing hurt i'm all right i'll be all right for d ones this weekend i'm not withdrawing at all but david did a david did a fantastic job it raised a ton of money. Yeah, I met Randy Couture. That was cool, and he is the real deal. So awesome. Uh, if you haven't made it out, make it out next year if you can. Uh, very cool stuff. David, it's almost time for the D1 Championship, the greatest three days of the year. I actually secured my tickets for Minnesota next year this morning when they went on sale. I'm ready to go. Just what thanks to everybody that to made it happen this weekend. We Literally so many people to thank. 
Um, we're going to get a final head count, but I think it'll be the biggest event we've ever done. I think we're going to be a little bit over 20,000. And so we're literally going to be able to cut two checks, which is amazing. And it's NCA time. Uh, you know, these are the 330 best guys in college wrestling. So it's, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I just love the pageantry of it. Love catching up with so many people. And, uh, I love that you and me get to talk about wrestling uh, every week and, and people listen to us. That's, it's pretty freaking cool. And your wife is an absolute pistol married way over your head. Tell her she's welcome to come to the brawl anytime. We can teach her how to use the camera. If you, if you get too big for your britches, Mr. Journalist of the year. <laughs> she is i'm married way up that is not not in question so uh and yeah thanks to everybody that's listening if you've hung in there with us all the way to the end we went a little <laughs> bit long but we had a lot to talk about and we'll have a lot to talk about next week coming down for the d1 championships breaking it all down we'll be back enjoy wrestling fans for alec for david mercatani i am alex steen if i can get my own name right We've gone on too long. See you next week.